Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. I am Al Lunsford, digital editor at Lynx, and joined by, as always, it seems, George Pepper, <laughs> uh, the editor at Lynx. George, great to record another episode with you again here. And you, sir. All right. Today, we are going to talk to you guys about uh, what's ahead for Lynx um, next year, or at least a couple of things that we have planned on the 2020 editorial calendar. So things for you guys to look out for in the coming issues. We got a couple of new things that we're adding to the, the issue, and, and also we're, we're going to feature some rankings from around the world, which is, I guess, what we'll talk about first. Each issue, we're going to feature a different area of the world, if you will, and the courses. I don't know how many courses we're going to rank in that category, but George can shed a little bit more light on that. So, George, if you if you want to, uh, to give an idea of what that sure. will entail. Yeah, this is – it kind of – I asked myself not too long ago, well, we know that the U.S. is the best country in the world from a number of standpoints, one of which is golf. We have more courses than any other nation, and we have more good courses. But having said that, what's what's the second best? What's the third? What's the fourth? And uh, is there a way, could we possibly uh, rank the best golf countries in the world according to the uh, quality of the golf experience you'd have there and uh, i didn't know whether we could or not i now know we can we have we will and the uh, readers of links uh, will see it in a series of four pieces during the 2020 uh, season the author for this is a fellow by name of darius oliver who some of the listeners may recognize that name he is the guy behind the planet golf series of books uh, which are coffee table books but uh, more than that as well they're extremely well thought out um, well produced uh, books on the golf courses of the world he's also a co-author with tom doak and two others of the confidential guide series of four books that have come out recently on the the best golf courses of the world. And on top of that, he is uh, the designer of Cape Wickham in Tasmania that is uh, on everyone's list of the top 100 golf courses in the world. So this is a very capable, experienced, knowledgeable guy who has played well over a thousand golf courses and is very articulate as well. So I went to him and, and, and happily he agreed to do this and Darius and I spent a good bit of time setting up the criteria for determining the best golf countries in the world. It, it begins, obviously, with how many golf courses are there and how many good golf courses are there, whether uh, top 100 or top 500 golf courses in the world uh, quality. And uh, But it goes beyond that uh, to um, the golf courses per capita, which bears on the pace of play, the uh, history and tradition, and uh, things like uh, hotness of the destination. You know, is it a place that people really want to go, as well as the accessibility of the, the nation, both by uh, air and once you're within a uh, country, how tough is it to get from course to course? So we put all of those things in the hopper. We discussed this over a period of weeks, and then I just let Darius go off on his own. And he has uh, compiled uh, four lists and four articles, and they are, they're really I, going to be, I think, interesting and compelling. And for the first time, we'll be able to tell you whether France is better than Spain or Japan is better than Vietnam. Uh, and that, in, in fact, speaks to 
to the the four pieces. The first one uh, is going to be on the nations of Great Britain and Ireland, which is uh, England, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, and, and Wales. So that'll ju- just be a, a five ranking. And the others, we're going to have rankings of 10, th- those being the golf courses of Europe, uh, the golf courses of Australasia, and the rest of the world, which could be anything from South Africa to Canada. So um, it's it's really going to, I think, be uh, a fun piece. Uh, the first ranking, the GB&I, I won't, won't tell you who came out or which nation came out first, but I will say it was really tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 10-point or 10-criteria uh, with each possible 10 points in each, and there was only one point in it between the number one nation and number two. Wow. So yeah. It, and you fun. mentioned that to me off off the air mm. here, and I was very surprised by that. Yeah. Um, it, so was I. And yeah. as I say, I'm not going to tell you know, which came in first, but two of them were well above the others. Yeah. And so there's a lot more than just, you know, the quality of the golf courses that go into this list, right? I mean, you mentioned it's accessibility. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's the cost to some extent. Uh, mm-hmm. How manageable are are they? We uh, And Darius did a heck of a, a lot of research. Uh, he looked at the average green fees for the top 100 courses, what, or the, I'm sorry, the top tier courses and the second tier courses. He looked at uh, the total cost of a, um, a dream trip uh, versus a reasonable trip uh, going to some of the uh, lesser courses. As I said, he uh, made a meticulous count of the number of top 100 and top five, up to top 500 courses in the world within each nation. And, uh, and so some of it was easily done on a very subjective statistical basis. Others was, well, tradition, you can give that a kind of a feel, history, tradition, uh, whether it's two, five, or eight, or ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do have an interesting point scale that I think will fascinate the uh, readers when they see it uh, in beginning with the winter issue. Perfect. That sounds like a uh, quite a project for, for one or two people. It so. was, and I'm giving it, yeah, as I said, Darius and I talked for a few weeks on the setup, but it's all his baby, and uh, I think uh, he's done a terrific job with it. Great. Well, I'm intrigued to see that ultimately, and, and again, that starts in winter 2020 with Great Britain and Ireland. Right. And then, you know, we'll move on with the, the rest of the year, as you mentioned before. Um, another new thing that we are going to do that will replace the the above it all is that correct? Right. Um, that we used to have um, the overhead shots of uh, a hole where you had to try to guess what the hole was. Am I mixing up to above it all? That no, you got right. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've had right. we've had a sort of an interesting mix over the last uh, ever since I've been there. Uh, back pages. We used to do my dog uh, Millie. Where's Millie? And uh, I heard about this. <laughs> and we sitexed uh, her into photos of various <laughs> uh, golf courses and and we, we give people hints and uh, people really did like that and I, I'm actually a little bit uh, regretful that we stopped but uh, Millie's gone on to a reward at this point so we'd be faking it anyway and then we had something called the ultimate we had the ultimate uh, uh, college course the ultimate mountain course the ultimate public course seaside course etc etc but uh and then we went to above it all and now 
we are going to have a series on the back page called My Courses. Right. And uh, the idea here is to take a prominent figure, whether a professional or amateur, from the world of golf and ask him or her to uh, tell us what his or her number one course in various categories are and, and it, among them are the well obviously the first course they ever played mm-hmm. uh, if they had one round to play the number one course on their bucket list uh, the hardest course they've played uh, the course they've played most often obviously their favorite course uh, that sort of thing and we probably will have over a dozen uh, categories and with each uh, person we'll select eight or ten because inevitably someone will overlap yeah make it a little different yeah. between the people and I, sure. I think our hope for the uh, winter issue the first one will be a Gary player because who after all as a broader more numerous selection of courses to consider that then this guy has been playing all over the world for half a century or more right so since we were talking about this topic I, I thought we could go through and and maybe do it ourselves and and talk about what our favorite course and and, and go through the categories for each person so I'm going to ask you, I'm not putting you on the spot here because I gave you a little bit of time to (laughs) prepare. You did. So we should be able to get through this, although I just wrote mine down about 10 minutes ago. So let's go ahead and get into it. George, your favorite course of all time. That's easy. It's the old course at St. Andrews where I was privileged to uh, live for seven years. Uh, And I think I'm in good company here in that... Jack Nicholas, Bobby Jones, and Tiger Woods. Now, granted, they've all had a little bit more success there than I have, uh, but all three of them have said in various ways that it's their favorite course. And Jones probably said it best. Um, he said the more he played it, the more he uh, loved it, and the more he loved it, the more he saw that it was the ideal venue for a, a major competition. And it, it is an unassuming course. Yes, it's by the sea, but you don't see the the, uh, the water very often. In the first few holes, Sam Snead, when he came in on the train, looked over there. He said, look, an old abandoned golf course. And they said, no, that's where you're playing the open. <laughs> British Open. And Sam Snead won that Open in 1946, I believe it was. I bet he did. <laughs> so it's not, uh, it's not a visually arresting uh, course, but it is full of secrets. And I literally learn something more every time I play it. I think Henry Longhurst said it the best there. Every hole, every shot you have there, you have to step back and say, wait a moment now, what exactly do I want to do with this? And there, there's no course that does that as yeah. consistently as the old course. Yeah. Well, that will uh, will come up for me later in this list because I haven't had the chance to play well, what it. What is yet. your favorite? My favorite course. Now, I wanted to do something different for every single one of these categories, and ultimately I did have overlap. I would have said my home course, which I'll say later as well, but I b- nailed it down to two that I've played there's a course called Polly's Plantation at Polly's Island, South mm-hmm. Carolina, which my family, uh, will, we always go to the beach uh, at Litchfield, which is just right there at Polly's. And I haven't played there like hundreds of times, but it's always on my list of courses to play when we do go down and we're planning to play. Mm-hmm. Particularly, there's this one strip, and I don't know if you've ever played there. I haven't. I, I know of it. Okay. So there's a one where you 
essentially jut out onto the the marsh and the sound and it, there's a 200 or so yard strip of just those like wooden bridges that you'll see oh, in all yeah. these courses mm-hmm. and the tee box is just as wide as the bridges <laughs> but they just they're all in a line you can you can probably go oh, see yeah, on their website yeah. um it's the picture that people think of when they think of this course but the tees are on the bridge the tee you just yeah, yeah. there's the bridge and then there's like two steps up to the tee and the yeah. tee box is just cool. about as wide as the bridge yeah. is um to this par three over the the marsh that's just really cool it's also a double green connected to mm. a, a par five on the other end mm. i believe it's a par five so a very good visual picture um that and primland which i've only oh, played right. once yeah. but i absolutely loved mm. um that's a virginia Parkland inland course yeah yes mm. yeah mm. up in the mountains mm. i mean that was just gorgeous yeah i would right. love to go back there um okay next category is the first course that you ever played well, that's a wild one it was actually in Iowa. The only time I've been to Iowa and the only course I've ever played in Iowa, and I haven't been back. I was 12 years old. It was on a kind of a family cross-country trip, and I played it. My father had a business thing to do, so I played it with my brother. I was 12. My brother, much older brother, was 19 at the time. He was a good golfer, and my mother, who was a golfer. And uh, I had never played golf, and... I absolutely fell in love, and I remember the moment I fell in love. It was on about the twelfth uh, hole, and I'd been, as you do as a novice golfer, I'd been hitting ground balls all day, and I had this eight iron to a green that I somehow contacted properly, and it flew high in the air and came down in the middle of the green. And I can still remember I mean, <laughs> how many years ago that was. That ball, I said, wow, that was really cool. And that's the day I fell in love with God. I was shot 147. Wow, and, yeah, you remember that. Yeah, okay. yeah but I, I, we played again the next day, and I got it down to 123. And, and I haven't improved quite that quickly uh, <laughs> along the way. But um, the interesting thing about it, the pro at Duck Creek, this obscure course in the middle of the country was Jack Fleck who uh, famously uh, beat Ben Hogan, upset Ben Hogan in I believe the 1955 US Open, total dark horse and he was the head pro at the Duck Creek course in Iowa Was that before or after he won? The I played it about a decade after he won. Okay. Yeah. And then he was—he was. He pro was gone then. by then. Oh, but he had been. Okay, okay. He had been. I, a pro. I thought you yeah. meant like yeah. he won and then miraculously he's a club pro. <laughs> no, like yeah. Then he went out and played with me. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My first course ever uh, was called Shamrock Golf Course in Burlington, North Carolina, where I'm from, and playing in a parent-child with my father, which we would play every year and. Did we ever win? I don't believe so. We got close. <laughs> that course is now closed, so I can no no longer uh, go back and play uh, where I first played my my first golf. But alas. Uh, next question is: If you had one round to play, where would you play? That's where I'm afraid I will uh, repeat, and it would be the old course, partly because. My last round of golf will probably be at a very advanced age, and the easiest course I can think to get around is the old course. It's dead flat. The greens are only about 10 yards from the next tees, and it's a wonderful course to grow old on. But uh, aside from that, yeah, it's just... um it's a course you can uh, you can manage 
um, if, if you're you know it well enough you can you can golf your ball around it and I, I think think at almost any level uh, you can have fun playing the old course you don't have to hit it long it's the easiest major championship golf course in the world now I say that because I always played it from the regular tees but you can you can bounce the ball into every green yeah so it's uh as I say, it's fascinating. You said you've learned something every time you've played. Are there things that you thought you knew that you ultimately found out? Maybe I, I wasn't yeah, right about that. Yeah, little bounces and bumps, and uh, you know, it, it took me um, several years. I played it, I think, close to 400 times now, but I probably played it 200 times before I realized that one of the geniuses of the course is what I would call the goal line defense of every hole. Okay. The last 40 yards before the green. On almost every hole, there is this geographic architectural uh, element, whether it's the Swilkin burn on the, the first hole or the fourth hole where it looks as if they buried a Volkswagen Beetle in front of the left side of the green, or the fifth where they have a, a dip that when you stand in it, you're well below the height of the green. Um, there's just one hole after another where you have to say, well, as I said, the writer Henry Longer said, what exactly do I want to do here? Do I want to flop it over? Do I want to putt it? Do mm -hmm. I want to bump it into it? And uh, you keep discovering those little humps and hollows uh, and bumps bunkers uh each time you play how many rounds you played there close to 400 oh my gosh yeah well as i say i lived there for seven years okay. and, and and played it <laughs> diligently wow. I, I didn't have perfect attendance but i played it probably three times a week minimum because in the winter you can get on it's mm -hmm. tough to get on the ballot in the summer but in the winter you just waltz on and play in a little over three hours Sounds pretty nice. It's great. If I had one course, one round to play, uh, I'm going to play Augusta National. I, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and check that off now, the have, list. You haven't played it. I have not played okay. it. I've never been. So that's not your bucket list course. We'll, we'll find out with that. Well, like I said, I want to, yeah, well, I maybe hinted at that earlier. But <laughs> like I said, I wanted to do something different for each of these. And mm -hmm. yes, that's a bucket list course. But yeah. if I had one round, it's... That's a good the one. The Majestic Augusta. The course, this is the next one, the courses, or maybe it's just course, that produced the sweetest memory for you. It's interesting you said courses, because on this one, I actually do have two. Okay. Yeah, and they both involve playing with, with someone else. First was, is with uh, our Lynx colleague, uh, Jim Frank, who was my Lynx uh, golf magazine colleague for a couple of decades. And we played a lot of golf together, and we... Uh, had a golf club at Golf Magazine called Flamingo Gaze, which is an anagram of Golf Magazine. If you jumble the letters up, it comes back okay. Flamingo, G-A-Z-E. And we had a club and a logo and everything else. And that club was accepted uh, among the Metropolitan Golf Association's list of clubs, clubs without real estate, but you can still. Mm -hmm. So we entered something called the Met Net, which uh, we had qualified in among our colleagues as the best two ball team in our little club of a dozen guys or something. And we went up and played Aspetuck Valley in Connecticut. And this, uh, for some reason, Jim and I both chose that day to play the best round of our lives in a better ball tournament. Now, if you can imagine that. 
I had never broken 70 in my life, and Jim had never broken 80, and we both did it on the same day. I shot 69, and he shot 78, and we shot a better ball, 55, which wow. won by about seven strokes. We looked like total crooks. <laughs> and uh, Sandbagging. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, we rushed to the turn in some ridiculous low number, and we're sitting there waiting for the guys playing with us to catch up with us, and I said, you know... No matter what happens from now on, we'll always have the first nine at Aspetuck. And then we played even better on the back, so it was crazy. So <laughs> that was a sweet memory. And the other was playing, you mentioned playing with your father, was playing with my son at uh, Sleepy Hollow Country Club in the, the parent-child tournament. And Scott couldn't have been more than about seven years old. And you had to play... Oh, one, two, three, four, five holes, I believe it was. And better ball. Well, you hit a drive, and then you hit the next shot. And it came down to the last hole, which was a tiny little par three. It was a nine-hole course we were playing there. And uh, it couldn't. it's like an 80-yard hole. And Scott and I, after our tee shots... And then we each, I think, hit the other's second shot. So we had had a choice. Now we had to pick one ball, and one of us had to putt. So, so I, I, Scott, I left Scott a th maybe a three-footer, and he left me a five-footer. And I really wanted him to hit the three-footer. But I said, okay, look, hit hit the five-footer, be a man, and I stepped up, and he is a competitive little guy, and I'm over the ball, and I see his sneakers with these orange laces <laughs> pointing right at me like, Dad, you better Come make on. And it, it had to be the most pressure-packed putt in the history of golf. Sure. And uh, <laughs> blessedly, I jerked it into the hole, and, uh, you know, I went, I remember going back and... Uh, celebrating he had a chocolate sundae and i had a nerve settling scotch and i'm sipping and looking at him with his chocolate face and this big smile and i said boy golf just doesn't get any sweeter than this wow yeah so that's amazing that was that's maybe my and that was the par three course at uh, sleepy hollow in, in new york good on you for not leaving him that knee knocker to, oh, to end it there i don't want to have to <laughs> hit another putt like that for the rest of my life well, mine kind of similar. Then again, I talked about my, my dad who introduced me to the game, and um, I would say the course for that produced my sweetest memory is when we got the opportunity to play Pebble Beach together. And just the that's a course that I feel like I remember every single shot I hit. I, I knew yeah. the course, and again, this is... You know, showing my age, I knew, played the, it on video games. I knew the course from playing it on Tiger Woods. <laughs> and so seeing it in person, it you feel like you, I, I had no idea, but you feel like, oh, I, I remember seeing right. I've hit this it there. and this. <laughs> I played pretty well, but really I just, the fact that I remember all the shots. I, How long ago was that? It was right after I graduated high school. Oh, wow. So that would have been around 2009, I mm -hmm. believe. And I think, you know, my dad may listen to this and correct me. I could be wrong about that. I could go back and look at pictures. But that feels right to me. Hmm. You know what? It was actually probably later because I do remember having a, a beer in the clubhouse afterwards. <laughs> so I would have needed to have been old enough for that. Maybe junior year of college. But uh, I hit one, got to seven, hit, blasted one way right into the water. Mm. Um, enjoyed every second mm. of that. Um, probably hit my best shot on eight following up with that. Yeah. A nice little four iron over the big 
hit towards three. gap yeah. and made par there. But nice. finishing on 18 and and putting in and giving my dad a big hug right there on the 18th, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll never yeah, forget there's that. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. All right. The course that you've played the most often in your life. Well, I've already betrayed that one. That is the old course. So you uh, had that for three. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it deserves it. <laughs> what the heck? I, I've already told you this. Yes. But yeah. The other would be maybe the one I grew up on, uh, Blue Hill Golf Club in Orangeburg, New York, which is about 20 miles north of New York City on the west side of the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only course I played for probably the first five years of my golf life. Played there on the high school golf team and uh made my first hole in one there uh first how many first three how about you uh goose egg zero well yeah well you got a lot of time but yeah i I, I may that may be even more often than the uh, i was gonna say i haven't played it since i left high school well really yeah maybe three times so yeah i moved away and just still Operation. It is. And yeah. the hole I made the hole in one on is actually about 60 yards longer. So it's become much more impressive. Do you plan to get back there ever <laughs> you know, to play? I, there's always this wistful feeling. Yeah, I don't and it's a nice, it's a really good public golf course. Um, and I probably played it 20 years ago. So, so maybe I'll get back. Okay. But, uh, For me, yeah, it's my home course, Alamance Country Club um, in Burlington, North Carolina, which is little Donald Ross and I know how much you love Donald Ross (laughs) but I my parents are my dad's from Burlington mom's from Greensboro and have always lived in Burlington so even now so I get to go back and play they they live on the 12th hole there on the right next to the Uh, tee box wow you how many times would you guess you've played it well you said 400 for old course and that's mm-hmm. over the course of how many years maybe well i or? probably had uh, 50 or so before i lived there and, and then i was there full-time for seven years and probably played another 50 times since i left yeah i i mean it's i feel like it's probably be more than that hmm. but we'll also go out and not necessarily play the entire thing with, with being on 12 we have this kind of either six hole loop where you pull play 12 through 17 and it right. loops right back around um, to the same place or we'll just play 12 16 17 and that gives you par five and you've got three, a long season too pretty long season north carolina season. yeah yeah, yeah you, they i bet you played it more than 400 times yeah i you know i don't there's no way i could ever count that but <laughs> but yeah i've played it quite many times and <laughs> My best round out there is a 70, and that's my best round anywhere. Really? So I haven't broken 70 yet. Wow. Um, well, I just did it that one, one time I mentioned. Only the once? Okay. <laughs> well, one day. I think I'm about to get new clubs, so I think <laughs> that's going to be the eternal. Key. That's it. I know that's going to change everything. Okay, so we're mixing this in here. Uh, number one course that's on your bucket list. Yeah, that's kind of an odd one. It's called Lofoten Lynx, and it is in Norway. It is the most, the northernmost Lynx course in the world. It's in Lofoten, Norway, and I have only seen pictures of it. I did a book uh, about oh, know, almost 10 years ago called True Lynx with... Um, 
co-author is uh, Malcolm Campbell from Scotland, and he uh, was the one who made it up to Lofoten, and he's been uh, singing its praises for years. I've seen photographs of it, and if you go at the right time of the year, you can play under the northern lights, and it's kind of a moonscape. It's just rugged and ragged and, and beautiful. So, And it's not far from Scotland where... I try to get it once a year. It's, I think, probably an hour flight or something like that. So I'm hopeful that I will get that one uh, ticked off. Okay, great. I told you I'd come back. This, this for me is St. Andrews. Mm. So I just think that's like the penultimate. You yeah. have to do it uh, at yeah. some point. And, and I've been over to Scotland and I've played. Um, I played Royal Lytham, St. Mm-hmm. Anne's, right after the Women's British Open uh, uh, when right. I was there. But that's the only one i've only ever yeah haven't seen it haven't you will you will love it the double greens and the it just it's unlike anything else in the world well good all right next is if you had one course to play for the rest of your life i had an answer here and i'm actually going to change it but i'll let you give your answer wait that's when i said the old course because it's easy to walk Oh, oh no, no, that was no, no. one round. Yeah, left. one round for the rest oh, of your boy. life. Oh boy. Oh boy. One course to play for the rest of your life. You'd probably switch that up. Or maybe you'd have St. Andrews again. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love St. Andrews so much that I just I can't I, I can't come up with another one. I mean, if you know, I I guess I if I had one round to enjoy, which was the earlier question. Yes. I would say Cypress Point. Uh, okay. You know, it's just, it, it, it's just so beautiful. It's a kind of an odd course because, uh, well, they say it's the greatest 17-hole golf course in the world. The 18th hole is weird. I won't even try to describe it. You know, it has uh, back-to-back par threes, back-to-back par fives. Uh, it's not something you design, but it's similar to, uh, well, you know, M- Mackenzie just let the, the land dictate what should happen. Yeah. And, uh yeah, I'm a sucker for golf courses beside the sea, and uh, I've often said I'd rather play a mediocre course beside the sea than a great course inland. But if you can get a great course beside the sea, there's nothing better. And and it's just the again, it, it's if you play that late in the day and to come down the the last three or four holes there is is a uh, religious experience. Yeah. Well, it looks incredible from the mm. photography too. And, if, you know, if I'm playing the last course of my life, I, I need a religious experience. That's true. That's true. That's well thought out by you. <laughs> I'm going to give a well thought out answer here as well. And uh, originally I had written down uh, Sage Valley. Have you ever played there? Granville, South Carolina? That's not far from Augusta, right? Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, which I've played a couple of times. Mm. And it is, I, again, I've never played or been to Augusta, but I imagine it's the closest thing. Mm. Peachtree is another one. That's on my bucket list. That's a good um, one. Okay. And they say that's oh, very similar to Augusta National. Gotcha. But, in fact, I did switch this one because I, I put more of a thought into it and thinking the rest of your life you're going to play this course and that has a lot of uh, elevation change like Augusta mm. does and um, yeah. I need a course that I can play well into the rest of my life so I'm going to go with the Winter Park 9 in Winter Park, Florida just outside of Orlando Wow! <laughs> uh, nine hole try. I lived in Orlando for three years and that was my go-to course mm. on a Saturday 
slightly shorter than your average course, but not by much. And mm-hmm. I'm still hitting driver on two or three of those holes. Mm-hmm. And just recently renovated, as a lot of people know, it is phenomenal. I, I love a good, you know, it's Saturday, a lot of Saturdays I've got football to watch and right. other things to do. And I like being able to, to go out and get around, get around and, and maybe even under two hours if it's not mm. too crowded yeah. and, and walk, which I love to do as mm. well. And it's a really great course. 15 bucks. Wow. If you can imagine. I like the Just, sound of that. Yeah. And I could play that course the rest of my life for sure. Mm. I live in Florida. That'd be, that'd be great too. <laughs> All right, the course you've played most recently. Well, that's right here, Yamen's Hall. I uh, played it with my w- wife uh, about three days ago in a in a crazy event where you, well, it's modified shambles or something. There are four of us, so you take the best drive, and everybody plays from that ball, and uh, uh, we did pretty well. <laughs> it was fun. It's a Seth Rayner uh, golf course. And Seth Rayner is my favorite architect. I've never played a bad, bad Seth Rayner course, whether it's uh, Shore Acres in Chicago or uh, Fisher's Island, which is my favorite course probably within a thousand miles of where we're sitting right now. Okay. But as you'll see, we're going to go out and play when we're done here. The greens here are 8,000 square feet, and the average green is about 45, 5,000, something like that. So that favors my horrible iron game. And uh, they are, uh, he, Rayner and McDonald famously had these replica holes from the great courses of Great Britain. Yeah. And you'll see a bunch of those out here. The, the Redan Hall here, I think, is, is just terrific. And it's, it's, it's another course you can grow old on uh, yeah. pretty well. So it's just and a good, nice walk. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and it sounds like if you're missing greens out here, you've got bigger issues, maybe. <laughs> right. You can hit uh, a dozen greens here and, and still not break 80s. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe we can also add a category later on, best course within 1,000 miles, so we really restrict yeah, people to <laughs> their immediate vicinity. I most recently, so I did play my home course. I went back home for a 10-year high school reunion and mm-hmm. played. Alamance Country Club. Uh, but right before that, I played TPC Sugarloaf, just north of Atlanta in Duluth. With Greg um, Norman, with, I understand. With, with Greg Norman, which I can't even believe I'm saying that. <laughs> but he came back to, they just did a big renovation there, and he came back to play. And they have 27 holes out there. We played the most recent, recently renovated. So it took three years. They did 999. Mm-hmm. And the stables course is what we played with Greg. And that was absurd. I mean, to to play with an architect of a course is in itself cool. a very, yeah. very interesting and fun yeah. thing. Yeah. The fact that it was the shark was... Did you play for anything? Um, no. Maybe in my head. How, I, I, how was t- I was toe-in-toe. I was neck-and-neck neck with the shark through five holes. I'm even par. Nice. And somehow he is too and then of course i tail off and have like double two of the last three holes and he doesn't do that he just does the same thing i think he's 64 he looks the same as he ever did i know yeah but that was uh that course was in really great condition um they've got the champions event there in april i think i did a um 
a couple of books with Greg way back. Really? Yeah. Well, they were instruction books, Shark Attack, okay? <laughs> Greg Norman's Guide to Aggressive Golf. And he gave me like three days to do the whole book with him. And he gave me a, a little bit of time in each of those days. And he, he didn't really change his schedule when we were doing this. So one day we, he had a, a, a golf match and I rode along in the cart and it was the wildest golf match. It was Greg and Arnold Palmer against three guys from Isleworth. Incredible. Arnold, Arnold, which Arnold was involved with at the time. And the match was, these guys were average, maybe 10 handicap. The match was that Greg and Arnold would play their worst ball against the three amateurs' best ball, no strokes. And it was a heck of a match. In fact, I think Greg and... Yeah, Greg and Arnie, on the last hole, the worst ball was Greg's par because Arnie birdied the last hole, and they they beat the three guys. Was, wow. But, you know, yeah, that's that great. That was the, uh, the nature of the day. I, I was asking him questions for this book while he was trying to play golf. Interesting. Well, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun experience for sure for me. <laughs> All right, last one, last category here, the hardest course that you've ever played. Yeah, well, there are a few. Carnoustie in Scotland was is, is a killer. But to be fair, I never played that from the back tees. Probably the hardest course I played was in the last year with my son, who's uh, a member of, uh, well, he plays most of his golf at Bethpage Black. Oh. <laughs> and he is a long hitter. He is like 300-yard vicinity on his, his drives uh, so he likes playing it from the back tees and I said alright look just for the heck of it maybe I'll get a story out of it I'll go with you and he outdrives me by I don't know 50 to 100 yards and so off we go and we, we get one of the Saturday tee times there of course it took five and a half hours and I have to say I had to really I hit the ball reasonably well but I had to lean on it on a couple of holes just to get where the fairway began oh my gosh I mean they, they push him back so far and it yeah there there were 200 yard carries to get to the to the beginning of the fairway and my my goal was to try to uh, just make fives you know get to the par fours and three and hopefully two putt and and i was hoping either to play great which was a sort of a pipe dream or horrible to get a story and i didn't really do either i think i shot 91 <laughs> or two which when i went to post it i put it into the computer from my handicap i think the differential on a 92 was like 6.8 or something because the slope is a from that, those tees is like 150, yeah. and the course rating is 78. Yes, yeah, Scott, Scott said when he posts an 80, it comes back with like a 2.4 <laughs> differential. So that's the hardest course I've played. Yeah. For me, uh, Pinehurst number two was very hard for me. The, the new, have you played it the since? The new, it's, yeah. 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 I, it was great. very recently when, it, when they yeah. um, went back to how it always was. Mm -hmm. My short game at the time, and maybe I, I don't want to claim that I've gotten better because, of course, I'll go out there today and just blade a few everywhere. But it was not in a good place when I, when well, I played there, which is well, a worse place number to two be. is not a good place to go when your short Correct. game is not in a good place. <laughs> so I did the... I'm pretty sure I did the same thing that John Daly did where I hit it 
back and over and back on one mm. of the holes and those greens are just lightning and they are just you know it, it was de- designed at a time when the greens were probably in this i don't know what they would have been then seven or eight range and mm-hmm. and now mode as they are in, in the 10 plus uh, with those green complexes you really have tough it's a tough third shot course yeah i and i didn't mind because it's pinehurst and yeah you know the allure and it was a lot of fun and Mm. and it was the kind of round if i took it seriously i would be kicking myself all day but well you know pinehurst i've never been a huge fan of number two but i will say this it's a great example of good design in that the farther the, the, the challenge stiffens as you get closer to the green. The fairways are open, and the greens are ample. But as you get closer, where we are all capable of hitting a decent chip shot, we are not all capable of hitting a, a drive 300 y- yards straight. Yes. So, you know, Ross gave everybody uh, plenty of room to hit it uh, on the first shot, and reasonable room on the second shot, and then he place the demands on the third and that's good design well, and hopefully you hit a good second shot and then you won't have right. to worry about exactly yeah. unless you have a long putt and then you do yeah. well i will be very interested to see uh mr player what his answers are to some of these questions and we may have a, a few different ones for him mixed in there it'll also be interesting to see if our answers have changed by the next time we we think about and discuss this but not sure when that'll be, but I don't know. But the last course we've played probably will have. <laughs> I guess for for me it mm. should change. Yeah, but <laughs> we shall see. Good. Uh, well, thank you, George. That was fun. Enjoyed it. Me too. All right.